Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 208B. If you guys haven't listened already to the episode earlier today, or if you're listening to this uh, a couple days from now, we had to break this episode into two parts due to scheduling issues between myself and Evan. So uh, Evan gave a nice little 30-minute synopsis of the week in in the morning bit, and then uh, I'm here with Zach. Zach's joining me. Why does it got to be part B? Why can't they be numbered? Uh, we, I think we did one and two in the past before, and I just saw when the when Evan posted his A episode, I was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Same deal, unless you want to make it 1A. It could be A and 1A. I don't know about that. Whatever. It's not the end of the world, but we will be talking about Game Week 4 of the Premier League, um, and we will add on at the end our best player and worst players of the week. I listened back to Evan's portion, and he didn't do that in his, so he sent me his two players in those two categories, so... We'll get to that at the end of the show, and then obviously we have an international break this weekend, so uh, it'll be a shorter episode this week, and I guess, Zach, we can get right into it. Starting off, last Friday, we had Luton Town hosting West Ham at uh, Kennethwell Road, I think. I probably forgot the name. Kenilworth. Kenneth, Kenneth. Looks like. Yeah, so we had to wait a few extra weeks for them to finish their changes to make it up to Premier League standard. They had that previous match against Sheffield postponed, so and they showed out here. One two defeat isn't the end of the world, but as at the end of the day, still they didn't earn any points. They're in that relegation zone with Everton and Burnley. Uh goal in the thirty seventh minute from Bowen and then Kurt Zuma got the winner eventually in eighty fifth when a ninety first minute goal from Luton came from open play, their first from open play. Obviously they scored before on a penalty against Brighton in the, for game week one. I guess the two storylines here is one side you could say with Luton, they can't create hardly any chances, open play, it's really tough, and they played a lot of different oppositions that from up and down the table. Chelsea is looking like a mid-table, upper mid-table team. you got Brighton who's pushing for top six at the moment, and then you have West Ham who a lot of people thought would be relegation zone teams a relegation zone team but is ultimately surprising a lot of people so they're struggling on that end and the opposite side you got West Ham who getting big wins over Chelsea uh, Luton obviously here and then prior to that in there is Brighton the, the, the craziest one so they're on a three game win streak there sitting in the top four so uh, Zach would it would you can take any angle you want here or Luton West Ham yeah wherever you feel um, I mean, West Ham's starting really strong. Hope they keep it up. I mean, if if they're in Europe this year, I don't know anyone who would uh, who'd pick them to finish a European spot again. But yeah. it's it's looking like I mean, early on and they're on pace. The that Ward Prowse signing was was bang on. Happy yeah. to see him in the Prem still. Yeah, just got to put him on the free kicks. He's got to go for that record. What is he tied with Beckham? He's either tied or one behind. I think he's at 17. I think the regular free 18, kick goals maybe. from uh, yeah, an English player, goals. was it? I think just in Jin Premier League history. Oh. I don't think it's just English. But He's got competition on the set plays there, but yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope he, he can do that. He registered another assist, so that's three assists for him and a goal. 
Um, great start for him coming from Southampton. We know he's Premier League proven. And then on the other hand, you have Luton with Terrell Sparkley. Turned out to be their best player on the day here. Didn't register a goal or assist, but still, he's, there's too much for them to do there, and it's looking really bad. And with the money they spent, they didn't bring in any talent that's ready now. So it ultimately seems like they're building the squad for the championship next season. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, we saw a late appearance from their new signing, Mohamed Kudas. Only played one to two minutes. You couldn't see anything out of that from him, so we'll have to wait until after the international break to see what he can offer more because this is looking like a really tough uh, 11 to break in for West Ham at the moment, especially that front six they have. Now with Alvarez in there taking Suchek's place. So this is looking like a much better West Ham team that spent that Rice money so far smartly. Uh, okay, we jump to the Saturday match, the early Sheffield United-Everton. 2-2 draw. None of us, I think, predicted this correctly, if I had to look at it really quick. Uh, I got the draw. Oh, you did. Yeah, we'll get we'll touch on those records at the end. But yeah, I thought Everton could get one here. I was really hoping they would because if they couldn't, it's going to be a long season for them, but both teams have to share the points here. It was at Bromwell Lane, and uh, it was an exciting one. A lot of people thought this would be a scoreless draw, but we got a 2-2 burner. Well, we saw the the debut in the Prem for Beto, their new signing, speaking for Everton. And on the other side, Sheffield United, their new signing in uh, Cameron Archer. Both played big roles in their teams, but Cameron Archer scoring twice. Uh, for Sheffield, the second one being credited as an own goal on Jordan Pickford, but he was an X-factor here and really helped in a Sheffield side we've seen really lacking in the attacking end, right, Zach? Sheffield, yeah, this game they turned it around. Cameron Archer was the the star guy for them, getting both goals. One was uh, own goal because it smacked off the back of Pickford's head, but he was definitely their biggest creative piece in this game. Yeah. And uh, with McBurney up there, they got the big man, little man dynamic. So if that can work out for them, I think it'll that'll be the uh, the reason they net points later on. And this was their first here. Yeah, they're rocking that midfielder three with two new signings in Souza and uh, Hamer. And then obviously Norwood from last season is their main driving force in the middle there as a creative guy. But yeah, they look pretty solid. Nothing too crazy. On an Everton side, though, uh, more open for them. They finally got some goals in the league now. Uh, these were their first two goals in the season. And uh, both first one came from Ducori in the first half. Bit of a scrappy goal there right on the line. And then uh, your boy, your arch nemesis, friend, foe at times, back and forth, Dan Juma, got the equalizer there in the 55th minute to end it on the draw, uh, assisted by Patterson at right back. Um, what have you thought of Everton so far in their first four games? And moving forward, where do you think we could maybe see improvement? They need those injuries to heal up. They need McNeil and and Harrison and his team desperately because creativity up top is going to be what they need the most because at the back, uh, their defense is is just going to continue to let them down all year, so they just need to be bumping goals out. And uh, losing Iwobi, which was probably their biggest creative influence, not probably, I think it was, is going to hurt them. So that's why I think they need they need those wingers to come back ASAP. Yeah, that was one signing that we really didn't see coming. Uh, that was a deadline day move that surprised a lot of us. And um, it's better for Wobie's career. It's moving up the, ta- the ladder in the table, but really puts Everton in a bad spot and puts more emphasis as, as on those guys, as you mentioned, 
coming back from injury, we did see one of them rejoin here in Dwight McNeil, made a second half appearance in the 75th minute, couldn't do too much, doesn't have his legs under him yet, so over the international break, we'll hope to see him get fitness uh, in there, uh, hopefully, because obviously I got him on my fantasy team, bias there, but yeah, they sit at that top relegation spot. And besides that, 4-0 pumping from Villa where they were just didn't even show up. All the, all the other three games, they were all in. They should have gotten something out of them in those two defeats against Wolves and Fulham. And then as the the game we're talking about here, they definitely should have done something here. So um, a long season for both of these teams. They'll be in this area battling it out amongst each other. So hopefully we can see better performances from them. We jump to a team that isn't struggling in any competitions. Man City picking up a dominant 5-1 win over Fulham. Started off slow in the 31st minute. We had to wait for the first goal. Uh, Julian Alvarez from Holland. Instant reply, though. Fulham on a corner. Tim Ream getting his second Premier League goal there. Equalizing it at one apiece. And then right before the halftime whistle, Nathan Ake gets a goal. And changes the halftime talks for both teams. Pep Guardiola is still not on the sidelines after getting back surgery. So the, his assistant staff was there and did an incredible job. And then the big man got rolling. 58th minute Holland, 70th minute penalty for Holland. And then right there in the 94th minute gets the hat trick, first of the season. I believe that's five hat tricks now in 34 league appearances. Is there anything else you can ask from this guy? Uh, maybe four goals in the game. Well, he did get three and an assist, so if you want to credit that. No, nah, I mean, as long as he's fit, it's going to be scary. The Bruyne uh, injured is, is proving just a minor setback. They, they've they've replaced him with uh, Doku, and then Foden and Alvarez are definitely creating enough to, to uh, fill in his role. Him being De Bruyne. Yeah, after all those departures, you would have thought it would have taken some time for these new players to come in and jail, but it's it's just like butter, man. It's just they bring in these players and they fit perfectly, and I think that's credit to their recruitment staff and vetting these guys to make sure they fit in not only as a footballer but as a personality and as a good teammate to work in this unit. So credit to Man City and what they do there. Um, on Fulham's end... Burt Leno, no saves, five goals against them. Uh, Man City only had seven total shots, five on target, all went in, as I mentioned. Uh, Fulham did get four on target. But, yeah, possession, 68% to City, 32 to Fulham. Just They just couldn't get their playmakers on the ball, and it's obviously any team playing against Man City, you're not going to be able to play the way you want to. So, um, tough scenes there. Xiao Polina was not on the team sheet on the day uh there was those deadline talks of him going to Bayern Munich for like 80 million euros and it collapsed uh, in the last hours so I'm sure he was upset missed this game sorely they needed him um what have you thought of Raul Jimenez so far this season filling in the boots for Mitrovic prime Wolves form yeah zero goals Tim Ream has to get it done for him that's saying something. What are you giving the line on Jimenez? Are you over or under five goals in the Prem this year for them? Why would you not go under? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, you get guys like Jorginho scoring seven in a season. Only reason those guys might go up is if Iwobi comes into this team and adds a little more creativity. Yeah, so in this, if you're seeing their team sheet here, they have Leno in gold, Diop Reem in the back with Robinson Tete at fullback, Pereira Reed, Harrison Reed, uh, Kearney, De Cordova Reed, Jimenez, Wilson. Where do you see Iwobi fitting in? Uh, I think Iwobi likes playing down the left wing. He definitely likes more uh, wing play, so probably in for Wilson or, or Bobby Reed. Probably Bobby Reed because uh, Wilson earned his role into this team pretty well. Yeah, we've over seen. Over the course of the last season. We've seen Williams' form drop off now. It seems like he's back in when he was at Arsenal, that type of form. Um, ideally, he would be on that left wing. Wilson's emerged. Maybe getting Wobie in the midfield. That's where we know he originally started. He can play right back, right wing back, but. Yeah, there's a lot of options for Marco Silva to go off of now after the whole Mitrovic drama. And so they sit currently in 13th, one win, one draw, one and two defeats, excuse me. They've conceded the second most goals with 10. Obviously, half of those are to Man City. Um, but they're reasonably doing all right, getting a big draw against Arsenal there with 10 men. Got a win over Everton, as they should, and then got a pumping from Brentford. So... It's looking like this is the area I would say they would finish. That's where I, exactly where I predicted them in the 13th, um, losing Mitrovic's goals and then having the inconsistency with other players. And if Paulinho is going to be at like this for a long time, it's going to be tough for them to find results. So uh, hopefully positive things moving forward for them as the season goes on. And then obviously Man City, we think, are going to win the table. There are, they're sitting top, 4-0, 11 goals, 2 against not looking like there's any kinks in the armor. No, not at all. Okay. Probably just going to be picking them to win every every week, just like last year. Yep, pretty much. It was a good strategy. I think I went 30-8 and eight with them. So, uh, shouldn't be too far off that. Uh, we do have Champions League starting, or sorry, Euro, European matches starting in uh, two weeks. So, that'll be thrown into the mix. Uh, we move on to Brentford, Bournemouth, 2-2 draw. Uh, I thought Brentford would get the dub here because Bournemouth's been slacking lately. Uh, share the points on the day. Matthias Jensen, seventh minute on the on a free kick. Caught Neto out. Goal line, goal line technology given the goal. Uh, 30th minute equalizer from Dom Solanke. Had to wait until the 77th minute from a Brentford error, I believe. Uh, Rico Henry made a great run checking back. Then decided to pass it back to Flecken, and it was heavily under hit. Uh, Tavernier picks it up, sweats it across to David Brooks, gets the lead, and then we had to wait until the 92nd minute for the equalizer from Brian Embuemo, who's been their key man since Tony's been gone. I believe that's his third goal on the season, third or fourth, so he's right up there in the top five, uh, has had a great start. Um, what did you think of this result here? Would you give more credit to Bournemouth here, or would you say uh, Brentford just wasn't up to their standard? I think it was more so Brentford not up to the standard here. I thought that they should have come away with the three here. I mean, that mistake with Rico Henry just took all the wind out of it at the end of the game. It wasn't until that long ball to Embuemo that they were able to get back into it late. And you could just tell by the body language at the end from the Brentford players that they wanted the three points or felt like they deserved the three points. So Bournemouth sneaking away with one here and Brentford dropping. 
Bournemouth as well picking up uh, a few deadline day signings. They did loan Louis Sinistera in for the season from Leeds. They sent Jaden Anthony the other way on loan. Um, obviously, they had the addition of Max Aarons at right back. And I think I'm missing one other person, but it might have been a backup goalie or some sorts. But Yeah, they're having issues with the, with the wingers, the managers trying to figure out who the starting duo is. I think next week he might be going with Sinistera and uh, Tavernier since he's healthy now. Yeah, it seems like he's got a plethora of five or six guys he can start in those front four positions, specifically those wingers, because we know Dom Solanke is going to start every game. They did. I heard they did try to sell Kiefer Moore to Millwall or a championship slide for the season. Um, so they're pretty set on Solanke. Billing's a, a guaranteed starter, and then your other four attacking options are on rotation, I guess. So uh, we would like to believe Tavernier would be one of those starters off on the right when uh, he's fully fit in for Semenyo. And then you would think Cliver would be the other one because he was one of their big signings. So uh, it hasn't fully come underway for Riola yet for Bournemouth. They still are looking for their first win, two draws and two defeats. Currently has them in 16th position. Those two draws come against West Ham, Brentford, and then the losses coming to Tottenham and Liverpool, as you would expect. So um, maybe you would think they would be on four points potentially and be a little higher up in the table, but this is right around where we thought they would be. And I have them as a relegation candidate, as I predicted at the start of the year. I thought Raiola would be one of the first managers to get sacked too because I just think his style is a little too drastic of a change from Bournemouth with Gary O'Neill. So we'll see if this continues after the international break not a lot of these players are on international duty anyway so getting the rest and extra reps on the train ground should be good for them and then from brentford they they currently sit in eighth one win but three draws still looking for that killer instinct to put games away and to lock it down so uh this might be like how newcastle was last year with i think like 13 draws or something so i wonder i wonder what they're missing in this team yeah, they're missing a number nine currently, and he'll be out <laughs> until January. So uh, they had Vise down the middle, didn't have his best game. He's more on, but useful on the left, as I listened to Evan this morning in his portion. He likes him on the wing, which I could agree. But, I mean, Tony's their only out-and-out striker with that build. Other than that, they don't have anybody else on their bench to play in that role. So they're just going to have to find points where they can. I don't see them in any danger to get dropped, but if they consider a European push this year... They're going to have to find it somewhere, and it wasn't here on the day. So uh, we move on to a barn burner here, Tottenham 5, Burnley 2. I guess before we get into this game, Burnley have given up 11 goals the most this season in only three games. We All of us thought they would finish pretty high this year in the table. We liked what we saw in the championship. Um, What have you thought of Burnley so far, I guess, especially defensive-wise? Tough matchups. I mean, it's not good to see them bleeding all these goals. That's a sign of a relegation-bound team, definitely, which they're surrounded by with Luton and Everton here early on. But I think it is really tough matchups to begin with. Yeah. they got to play some more of the teams uh, around their scale, like the like a Forest. But, I mean, even they've been doing well. But probably like Luton, uh, Everton, even Sheffield, the teams they got promoted with them, they need more level playing ground I, I guess you would say to uh to get some to get some form going yeah losing to man city villa and tottenham but all three of these games are home 
they're all these are all home matches for them and they're not performing uh they did pick up the one win though in the cup against forest who they will play when we come back from the international break but yeah their next three are forest away man united at home and then newcastle away so it doesn't get any easier for them it could be really bad for company going into the october international break where they could be rock bottom down there with with uh their fellow promoted teams so um it's not looking good for them but especially in this game where it started off good for them you would have you wouldn't have expected if you look at the score line lyle foster again with his second goal uh, in the fourth minute here to start off the day but uh, sun Ming in the 16th gets an equalizer right before the half romero hits a blinder in off the post in the 46th minute right before the half we come back for uh burnley make two changes in the team taking out sander berg putting in josh brownhill as well as goodmanson coming off for delcroix uh but it didn't change anything james madison gets the third from udogi and then sun human completes his hat trick in a three minute span there with a goal in the 63rd and then the 66th Burnley pick up a consolation goal in the 93rd minute from that substitute, Josh Brownhill. Um, Sun Huming hat trick just from being played at that number nine. He starts at the nine or Charleston on the bench. You have to put Manor Solomon, their new signing, at left wing. What did you think of this attacking four here that changed just from Charleston coming out and Sun in the middle? I mean, Sun being up top, I, you could say it was just because it was against Burnley, but uh, I don't. I think otherwise. I think Sun up top uh, should be the move going forward. I mean, he's he's so elusive up there, and you got Madison behind him. You got Poro uh, off the wing. You got creativity on uh, all around him here. You had Manor Solomon in here complimenting him well. So I, I think Sun up top should be the move going forward, or at least uh, the foreseeable future. Yeah, we talk about Burnley leaking goals. Spurs are clapping people with goals. They're tied joint with Man City for the most with 11. But their competition has been, hasn't been has been the best. The 2-2 draw with Brentford was their toughest. Uh, big 2-0 in over United. Uh, Bournemouth 2-0, and then this one as we're speaking about, so... Their next match is against Sheffield, so it could be four in a row for them, but then they go into a, a tough tough run there with a game against Arsenal and then Liverpool. So that's where we're really going to see what this team is made of here, if they continue to dominate in the attack. And we can truly see what Ange Ball is all about down under. So things to look forward to there. Uh, would you say right now Matt, Mattis, James Madison has been the signing of the summer, relatively? Yeah, he's, he's had some of the most impact of, uh, of all the signings yeah okay uh moving on to a game i really would not want to talk about but we have to chelsea nil forest one um seems like a score from last season uh possession wise dominated 76 to 24 shots 21 to 7 with two only two on target for chelsea while three for forest the goal came in the 48th minute off a Caicedo mistakes in the middle. Counterattack, uh, Owani plays in Alanga, who slots it in past Robert Sanchez, who is just not it for me. Um, and then from there, Chelsea tried and tried, changed the formation, took Chilwell out. This seems like a new, a normal thing now. Ben Chilwell comes out in the 60th minute for chasing a game. Um, and then Cole Palmer made his debut for the club. 
had a decent impact, but couldn't find anything. Matawake, Batson, and Mudrik all coming on as well. Still could not find that goal to get us level. Um, I guess before we rip into Chelsea, how good is this win for Forrest? And so far in their first four games, they're looking pretty decent, and they played tough competition. It's a massive win, a road win for them. They struggled with last year, so they're showing big improvement. Uh, I like seeing Alanga play a full half in this one. I mean, he got the goal. He's definitely a big creative influence. I think that's going to earn him more time going forward. And uh, a team that's flooded with with uh, with names at the top in terms of the fours. So far, Forest uh, this is massive. Yeah, they did pick up. They were the most busy team on deadline day. I think they picked up like five players on the day. They picked up uh, Sangrai uh, from PSV, a holding mid for 30 mil. He'll be key. Callum Hudson-Odoi, another wing option for them. They sold Brennan Johnson to Spurs. That was the big departure for them. Um, Who else? I need to look. I can't remember all these off the top of my head. They got a backup goalie, Vlachodimos from Benfica. Um, Nuna Tavares comes in from Arsenal at a left back, left wing back. Uh, Ambu Mom, oh my god, Amo Bamadele from Norwich, I believe. They got him as a defender. They already had An- Andre Santos from Chelsea, loaned in for the season. And then Divock Rigi, they got him as a backup striker there from Milan. I believe it's a loan. Uh, I think the biggest signing they stole was this Nicolas Dominguez, 25-year-old midfielder. Got him from Bologna for around like 40 mil. He could be a major impact for them. So they did have a lot of purchases this summer, a lot more expensive and a lot more excitement around these signings rather than last year where they were just signing uh, journeymen pretty much to just get the job done. So, yep, credit to Forrest here. And when we look on the Chelsea side... Um, the formation where we've been playing in the league has not matched up to what we've been practicing and showing in preseason. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of points we can start from, but I guess let's start from the top. Nico Jackson, Zach. A lot of hype around him. Preseason, my prediction, I said he'd be player, young player, new, new player, newcomer of the year in the league. Um, hasn't looked like it entirely. He's doing everything he needs to accept score. Sounds like a prime Chelsea player. Yep. Um, missed, in the modern day. He missed the drag tap in from Sterling from three yards out. I believe I heard the XG on it was 0.9. So 90 times out of 100 that you're expecting that to go in. Um, and he missed. He skied it. So, um, yeah. And a lot of people bought into the, hype, the Sterling hype last week after the Luton match, which... I knew it was a trap from the start. Um, you just can't rely on Chelsea running running multiple wins off. It's just we can't we can't find that anymore in the last two seasons or two years even. Um, Silva is breaking a bit. He can't we can't put as much pressure on him as much as we have because Kola and Dezazi aren't doing the coverage they need for him. Sanchez isn't that guy in goal for me. It's almost as if I'd rather have Keppa at this point. Caicedo still needs to get some time under him. Gallagher's having to do a lot of work. Can't do it. We're playing Ben Chilwell at left mid, left wing at times when 
that's just not where he needs to be. Um, we have Mudrick, and you played Mats in there. We got Cole Palmer. Like, there are better guys that can play there than Chilwell. Um, and then the latest news I saw today, I saw some bullshit on saying Enzo Fernandez is considering leaving Chelsea already after, what, nine months? He's ready to go. I think it's bullshit because I looked into the, the sources and it's some bullshit. The guy's posting 90 posts on Instagram a day in Spanish it's like, and it's getting like no, no, I don't know, Sports Bible reposted that shit, which is dumb. But yeah. It seems like he wants to be there. I mean, he puts I mean, in a good we, effort we, on we, the we, field. We built the team around him. He plays every game, every minute. We let him take the penalty. I mean, it's pretty, we're pretty backing him. I don't know why. Whatever. I'm not going to give it any more time, but. Where do you see this Chelsea team going forward here? Do you think they just need more time to get things going? They picked up decent results. That draw against Liverpool, we saw some promising stuff there. The West Ham game was a bit of a collapse there. Um, the scoreline doesn't reflect entirely what happened. That could have been a 2-1 win if Enzo makes his penalty. Luton win as we should, and then this game just one mistake cost us. Do you think it, this is where we're going to be battling, or do you think there's better things to come? Uh, probably a mix of both. It's going to be up and down. I don't think they're finishing top six. Definitely not with this. It's just a matter of uh, how, how much time you're going to give them and you're going to give Poch. I know at Chelsea they don't have much patience for uh, for their managers, especially new ones that come in. So Well, it's different, man. It's different ownership now. We saw Graham Potter got more time than anybody thought he would. And... Um... I mean, if they get rid of Potch this soon, it's the amount of investment we put into him is just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I guess just moving on from that because we can go on for hours. Um, let's go Brighton Newcastle. This was a bit of a surprise. We all thought Newcastle would get a bounce back after that uh, tough Liverpool game, and now Brighton big three-one win. Evan Ferguson with the hat trick. First in the 27th, second in the 65th, and then third in the 70th. Newcastle get a consolation goal in the 91st minute from Callum Wilson, who always seems to get a late one. Um, Brighton now sitting sixth place, three wins, only one defeat, that upsetting loss to West Ham two weeks ago. They've scored the most goals there with 12, uh, I should with six against, I thought 11 was the most, but nope, Brighton again. I believe they are averaging the most shots per game as well. They average almost 20, easily. They average 21 shots per game. The next best is Tottenham with 18, and then Palace, surprisingly, with 17. Um, yeah, Brighton led this category last year as well, but they added in depth as well from the window. They brought in the likes of Ansu Fadi, a Barcelona player coming in for a one-year loan. Never thought the we'd say that. Um, as well as Carlos Balabia, Baleba, the uh, the said replacement for Caicedo. They bought him in for 30 or 40 mil from Lille in Ligue 1. He's only 18. And then I think, yeah, that was, those were the only deadline day signings for them. So... Pretty pretty uh, sturdy squad, about 26, 27 guys. They all look great. Um, Strike Force is looking very tasty. And it's just there's, there's just no bad things you can really say about Brighton here. Billy Gilmore has been looking good. 
in the middle now, taking over for um, DeHood, who started the season, but Bill Gilmore's taking that spot over now. Shalpater in behind Ferguson, Matoma and March on the wings doing their thing, and just tearing apart a Newcastle team who's struggled to start the year. One win, three defeats. Scored seven, but given up seven. And five of those came in their opening game against Aston Villa, where they scored five. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess starting off with Brighton here, let's start with the positive. Uh, big bounce back win after the West Ham loss. And now they bring in the likes of Fatty and the Caicedo replacement, who I'm sure next season will go for 90 mil. Um, how are we thinking Brighton's looked in their first four, Zach? Ups and downs, but very explosive in all of them. Leading in shots, so never say die attitude still there. They're showing top six form. I mean, whether they're up or down, they, they play the same way. They play with the same intensity, so never to be counted out of a match. Yeah. Definitely uh, still as fun to watch this year as they were last year, and I'm just excited to see... Uh, the new signings make an impact like uh, Anzu Fatty. Yeah, and Evan Ferguson at 18, 19. You think he's 18 years old still? Ferguson uh, banging a hat trick in hat, as well. Yep. A hat trick. Uh, he's currently with Ireland, only three caps. They said that he can still turn his, change his nationality to English. The ruling is if anybody under 18 makes less three or less appearances they can still change their nationality for uh, the country so what do you think about that because they've had Declan Rice and Jack Grealish who were formerly Irish change their nationalities to English do you think Ferguson might do the same he'll, I don't know he'll come in once Harry Kane leaves I don't know if he sees that as a possibility maybe yeah hopefully he stays with Ireland because Ireland's been pretty irrelevant and uh, any international competitions we got the euros this summer as well so hopefully they'll be fighting to make it uh, and then to the other side we talked newcastle really struggled to start the year probably have played the toughest schedule so far with villa man city liverpool and then this brighton match um what do you think's went wrong or do you think maybe it's just because the defense hasn't held out is that why the results are going there not going their way the defense has got to be their biggest question so far. I think target in there is... Dan Bosley is a, didn't play with an injury, so Burns started at center back. I think target's a bit of a weak point here. Dan Burns slacking as well. I, I don't know. There's just something to put that back for. Other than that, this team's been all right. They just couldn't really get the creativity going in this one because Brighton just smothered them with, the, with their creativity and their attacking threat. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see until they play lower opposition um, further in the year. They, they're going to be playing Brentford when they come back, and then they're thrown right into the Champions League. We never touched on that on here yet. They Newcastle drew in the Champions League. They were in the fourth pot, and they have been drawn in the craziest group of death I think I've ever seen. It's AC Milan, Borussia Dortmund, PSG, and Newcastle all in the same group. They will be opening up that campaign 13 days from now at the San Zero. Um, this couldn't be a crazier start to their season. And then now with the Champions League, how does Eddie Howe juggle these two, these multiple competitions? They have a League Cup match as well against Man City at the end of the month. Like, it, this is crazy. It is crazy, yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm excited to see their Champions League games though, because maybe they'll they'll turn around there and put their sights on the Champions League more so than the than the Prem. Just seeing her as a as a fresh start and all. Uh, last thing before we move on, do you, would you say Eddie Howe's gonna about to be, or if not already, on the hot seat? Of course he is. They're expecting a just as good, if not better, finish than last year. With the new signings and uh, the Saudi money that's being pumped into the club, they want to see the the results follow in the field. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I did say Newcastle would be the flop of the season. So we'll see if that narrative continues. Uh, we move on to Liverpool, the first game on Sun- on the past Sunday, getting a massive 3-0 win over Aston Villa without Van Dyke, without Konate, with the most solid rumors going to Saudi. Didn't seem like it mattered. Third minute, Dom Sabuzlai with his size 8 feet hitting a banger in the back post off a volley, getting it off right. Diego Carlos picked up an unfortunate injury to that back line. He came back from last season tearing his Achilles. So now they're without him and Mings, two big center backs for them. They had to do a change. Leon Bailey comes in. They had to go from a back five to a back four. And really cost them. Matty Cash with an own goal in the 22nd. And then in the 55th minute, Mo Salah from a Darwin Nunes assist got the third goal to end it. Nothing from that. Nothing else from there. Back and forth, Liverpool dominated possession and the shots. Shots on target was pretty even. Four to Liverpool, three to Villa. Diaby and Watkins were neutralized pretty well. And starting with Villa, Zach, uh, Aston Villa, two wins, two defeats. Their two wins coming against two teams in the relegation zone. Their two defeats coming to Newcastle and Liverpool. So is this looking to be a mid-table side where... They beat the teams they should, and then when they play the big dogs, they struggle. As it stands, yeah. I mean, you could look at this one. You said they had to make that last-minute last, uh, last minute adjustment with the defense and making last-minute adjustments before you get Anfield's pretty tough, and it, no, it, it cost them the here. Uh, and it, yeah, last minute, literally last minute, last second, more like. Um, yeah, 3-0 loss definitely reflected that, especially having to do it at Anfield with the crowd there and one of the toughest places to play definitely affected them. Liverpool did not waver. They don't really seem to waver to the criticism. They kind of go by their the own beat of their own drum. Yeah. And, and then, the, the, the fans empower them to do that, especially with Mo here, who is just not saying anything about the deal because I don't think he's going to go with it. Yep. They made a deadline day signing, picking up Ryan, Ryan Grabenberch from Bayern Munich, who only played a season there last year, only making, I think, three starts. He's still only like... 21 or 22 or something Dutch international um, boys with Van Dyke should be interesting to see how he's integrating into this team a complete midfield makeover as well as Trent having a great day there pinging balls got an assist they pick up their first clean sheet on the year and now going into the international break they sit third in the table right behind Tottenham and Man City with 10 points three goal or sorry three wins one draw that draw coming against Chelsea and then three running off three straight wins over Bournemouth, Newcastle, and then Villa here. A lot of people didn't even have Liverpool in their top four with the thinking at the time with the Saudi moves losing their whole midfield. And now the midfield seems to be working out currently with McAllister having to play at that six. Um, 
moving forward, is it looking good for Liverpool here? And do you think it, or do you think it's going to be up and down just like last year, where they finished fifth? Or are we seeing something good moving forward? I think it's good looking forward for them. They keep mowing this team. Uh, the midfield keeps up uh, their form the way they've been playing, at least on paper. They look like one of the best trios in the league. And uh, they showed here, without Van Dyke, that they can get it done. I mean, at least when they're at home. So, pick up the wins at home. And at least uh, draw on the road like they did with Newcastle, and they'll be up in the mix. Okay. All right, we go to our last two games. We have Crystal Palace winning 3-2 over Gary O'Neill's Wolves side. Excuse me. Uh, scoring didn't start until the 56th minute, though. Nil-nil at the half. Controversial non-penalty call on Ebrice Eze, who's had a phenomenal start to the year. Uh, Edward in the 56th, though, getting the goal from a nice whipped-in ball from Tyreek Mitchell. Equalizer from Huang Hee Chan from Pedro Neto. Once again, Palace take the lead in the 78th from an Ebrice Eze goal from Mateta getting the assist, and then closing the game off in the 84th, Hudson Edward from Mateta as well, getting his brace on the day. Wolves picked up a late goal in the 95th minute from Mateus Cunha from Pedro Neto. Um, starting off, let's start with Wolves here, Zach. They're sitting in 15th, one win, three losses. Those three losses coming to Man United away. Controversial there. They should have gotten a point out of it. Blown out of the water by Brighton 4-1. Pick up a nice 1-0 win over Everton. Pretty ugly one to watch. And then they lose here to Palace. Um, what have you thought of Wolves so far? Uh, better than last year with the, the goals and the creativity. But definitely struggling. I mean, when you get a win versus Palace, at least here. Got screwed versus United. But, hey, we'll take that. So, I think going forward, they're going to avoid relegation, but it's a matter of how far up the table they climb, and I don't see them higher than mid-table. Yeah, they had the drama right before the season started. Lopetegui decided to leave the club under um, not agreeing with how the management was running and just how the club was in general. And Gary O'Neill comes in last second and has to deal with all the drama, but decent group of players have the creativity, an average back line. I agree. They should stay in the league. They should finish around that 12th to 15th area, if I had to say. And I don't know. I just think Pedro Neto is that X factor. If he can stay fit for them all year, he is definitely a guy who could potentially get double figures and goals and assists. I really do believe that. Um, Sarabia gives you good minutes, can't play in the full games. They have that big men build in uh, Kalashidik from... I think he's from Serbia, I believe. He's been out for two years with injuries. And then they have Mateus Cunha, who stayed from last season. They bought him fully from Atletico Madrid. He's a nice little X-factor at, at the striker role who can be a, could win you, win you games in big moments. Um, okay, jumping to Palace. They sit currently in seventh. Two wins, one draw, one loss. The wins coming up against Sheffield United and Wolves here. The draw against Brentford. And then the loss... Coming in against Arsenal, controversially there. So, pretty good start to the year. Ebrice uh, Eze is that guy for them. And they are getting Michael Lisse back, who decided to stay after the rumor mill of him going to Chelsea. He signed a new four-year deal. And he'll be rejoining the team after the international break. So, 
how excited are you to see Palace moving forward now with Eze or Elise back in the team on top of what they've done so far? They're going to continue to be that that dark horse team. They're going to continue to be the that one team that uh, will likely bleed out points from uh, from top top six opposition if if they're sleeping on the day, uh, depending on the day. And uh, Elise staying is absolutely massive for him, so they're going to keep that creativity. Uh, Edward's showing here that he can score in place of of uh, an absent Zaha. And uh, IU with creativity up there as well. So, I mean, this team going forward, they, they play with like they've got nothing to lose and everything to prove. Yeah, I'm looking here on FanDuel for odds on teams to finish in the top half of the table. And Crystal Palace is plus 240. I would definitely smash some money on that right now because they look phenomenal. And I don't really see where this team can go wrong. I think the signings of... Jefferson Lerma in the middle of the park alongside Czech Ducore are a great pair. They balance each other perfectly, and that allows Eze at that 10 roll to do what he wants. Uh, Schlupp is a makeshift guy out there because once Elise comes back, he'll be on the right. I believe Ayu will start on the left, and then Edward and Mateta can definitely split time and get goals. They can each get seven goals each, and then they brought in Dean Henderson as well, so they have a nice little... They have two goalies there in Sam Johnston and Dean Henderson who can both be number ones for them. So I think they have a well-balanced squad. Could be aging in, in certain portions, but I think they have a great core and they've built off of. So good job to Roy Hodgson at the young age, tender age of 75 or 76, still kicking on and could finish in a very nice position. Uh, okay, we jump to the final match to end it. Arsenal 2 Man, or sorry, Arsenal three, Man United one. The third one was super late. I forgot. Uh, Marcus Rashford starts it off in the twenty seventh minute on a nice goal, breaking out on a counter. Eriksen assist, gives a little fade, hits it on the back corner. Ramsdale gets a hand on it, but it wasn't enough. Instant reply from Arsenal. Odegaard in the twenty eighth from Martinelli. Injury to Lissandra Martinez. Harry Maguire comes in. To partner next to Victor Lindelof later in the game in the 84th Johnny Evans at 36 comes on Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans as your center backs I never thought I would say that for Man United um, Hoyland did come in to make his debut at the 67th and Garnacho as well in the 84th a big factor there Tomiyasu and Jesus in the 76th minute came on Jesus as well made an impact in the game we had to wait. There was a vet, there was a penalty given to Arsenal. Kai Havertz was taken down. VAR came in, overruled it for a dive. And then the other way, Garnacho was played in and scored. It was 2-1 in the 90th minute. VAR checked. He was off by a an eyelash. And potentially, he might not have been off. The technology might have been wrong. But 95th minute, corner kick, extra added time off the new ruling this year with stoppage time. Declan Rice getting the winner from a soccer corner. Uh, hit a deflection. Onana arguably could have gotten it. And then in the 100th minute, Jesus on a counter. Everybody's gassed. Sends Delo to hell with a nice shimmy. And then ends it 3-1. The Emirates blows up. Couldn't be a better start to Arsenal with that win. They have three wins, one draw. No defeats, eight goals for, 
none against. Started out rough with the 2-1 win over Forest, 1-0 over Palace. Uh, sketchy draw against Fulham, but they get a very emphatic, big emphatic win over rivals in Man United. Um, I guess let's start on the Man United side. If, so you want to start the United side or the Arsenal side, Zach? You could do Arsenal first. All right. So for Arsenal here, you couldn't ask for a better win. I think if the game ended 1-1, I don't think people could argue. It was that crazy of a game. It could have went anyway, but a 1-1 draw would have been fair. Um, Jesus making his return is massive. Um, what he adds to that number nine role for them is is incredible and is the difference between them finishing first and second long term. Um, Havertz is just, he's just trying too much and in a team that flows smoothly and he's just a rock in the water. It just doesn't, it doesn't equate. So I don't know if he's going to keep being forced into this role or into this starting 11 from Arteta. They invested heavily in him, so I'm sh- I'm assuming he'll get more time than we think he should. But Rice and Odegaard in the middle getting to goals each. Um, just key fag- figures. Gabriel Mangales starting next to Saliba again. Back to a normal lineup from last year that we saw with Ben White at right back. Did well. Zinchenko getting the start left back after his injuries. Just overall a great result. And yeah, I mean, I don't see where Arsenal could improve on the start to the season. Obviously, four for four, they're they're already two points behind City, which is two too many. But I think it's good signs moving forward. It's coming up to a North London derby they have in the coming weeks. Um, Zach, over to you with the United side of things. I mean, I don't really have much to add on this because I wasn't able to watch it much. Giving up the late winners shows that couldn't stand the the entirety of the game against uh, Arsenal here. I'm sure the crowd was very into it. Uh, and then Maguire and Evans at center back is it's like a classic English pairing back there, but I don't know how that's going to do us in the long run here. Might need to call on the both of them more so during the season with Varane being hurt. Uh, Martinez picking up another yellow, probably getting the accumulation ban. Uh, very soon this year, and then Lindelof filling in, filling in there as well. Issues at fullbacks with Dello getting skinned. I don't think he's as good on the defensive end as he is going forward. Uh, Wan-Bissaka kind of plays the opposite role of him, so so teams will definitely try to push the Dello side more. But it was good to see Rashford finally get on the score sheet for the season. That'll hopefully fire him up. I mean, the, the loss won't, but Martial starting up top is still not doing anything. He's he's still stuck in the graveyard. We need Hoyland to get more minutes and, and get acclimated with the Prem. And then we get to stand strong at the back and get Onana some clean sheets. Yeah, um, I guess injury bug would be one thing for me, for Ann, Al, as well as Luke Shaw long-term there. That's a a big factor why things are going wrong a bit and I guess it would also be that midfield isn't firing as well as we thought it would. Casemiro hasn't had a great start to the season. Mason Mount injured now but even when he was in there didn't really add too much. Bruno is wearing a lot of different hats and can't can't do what he wants to at times and then obviously you mentioned Martial up front isn't that guy and 
Hoyland is just getting back into fitness. So I'm sure in the next game coming up, when they they will be playing Brighton, I'm sure Hoyland will be in there. And then after that, you guys are in the Champions League. You're playing Bayern Munich, so at Bayern. So uh, what, what would you say, is this what you expected the start of the year to look like? Or were you expecting a bit more at, with more time under Ten Hag? Because... Um, did what didn't they sign him the start of last season, right? Or is this his first full summer season with them, like preseason? I forget. This will be his second full season. Yeah. So, I was expect I would expect more out of this team with that much time on the training pitch that they would get things going. But their attack's been pretty stale at times, and they ultimately do best on the counter with Garnacho's pace. We saw in this game as well. Um, Rashford starting on that left wing has proven to be better than him up top. So, um, just lacking that edge that other teams have. And I mean, I think Stephen A will start us off with our next section here. I'll, I'll get it going. I'm yes. just picking uh, United as having a bad day here. Uh, and also myself watching this game and watching my fantasy team lose here. Yeah. So, because of this game. Yeah, so that was we're into our good player, bad player of the week. So bad player by Stephen A. You're going with the whole United team and yourself, yep. he said. United as a whole. Okay. Um Evan has Nico Jackson, which I totally agree with. Um, but I think for me, I'm gonna go a little left field here. I'm gonna go with Unai Emery with Villa. I went last week with Jason Tindall. I'm gonna continue with management. Just the inconsistency with Villa going from starting the year getting pummeled by Newcastle, having two great results over Burnley and Everton, and then going back to that pummeling against Liverpool. Just the games are too, are hitting the extremes too much. It's either very, very good for them on the day or it's really, really bad. They need to find some consistency. Getting injuries to two of their main center backs is never good, but. I don't know. They just need to find that plateau to really get their season rolling on some consistency. So I'll give it to Unai. All right. If you want to trigger our intro to the good player of the week. I'm the best man. I did it. I'm starting off with Postacoglu here with Tottenham. He's got some great decisions. He's in a great spot because he's got a, some tough decisions to make with his starting lineup, but they're good, tough decisions to make because everyone in this team is playing well. They got a great morale, good depth options, no real injury issues with the starting lineup here. And Son in the in the game last week just showing his versatility where he can play off the wing or or up top at striker. And they got Brennan Johnson in there to fill in, like I said, with the depth options. So I'm saying Postacoglu, the best main for me. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a new new generation type of thing going on there. No Kane. Uh, Dyer's been pushed out of the team pretty much. Ben Davies isn't seeing much time. Davidson Sanchez as well. All the new guys that have come in have started off great, as you would want. So yeah, I could totally agree with that. Evan's going with Evan Ferguson, bagging his first Premier League hat-trick at only the age of 18. I think he's the only the fourth person to do that. So I think, uh, I forget who the other ones are. I think Wayne Rooney's one of them. But yeah, Evan Ferguson for Evan. 
And for me, I think I'm just going to go pretty chalk. I'm going to go Erling Holland. Um, three goals and an assist, doing what you want. Um, just pummeling opposition and just being being the GOAT of the league at the moment. So, yeah, I don't think there's too much explanation anybody needs to hear why Erling Holland's my player of the week. So, okay. That's- for the 18 or younger hat tricks, you got Chris Bart Williams, Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, and now Ferguson. Okay, there you go. Um, okay, before we conclude the show, just going over our pick'em for the first four weeks. And uh, last week, Evan four and six. I went five and five. Zach again seven and three. That overall puts all of us still pretty positive, which is good. I think this is our best start in the three years we've done it. Uh, Evan is twenty-two and seventeen. I am twenty-five and fourteen. And Zach is leading the way at 27 and 12. Very, very good. Um, any last words before we close, Zach? Not really. Just want to see you now. You get some damn wins, man. What's been your favorite? See my team play well. What's been your most? Who's been the most surprising team to you this to start the year? Most surprising, I guess West Ham. Yeah. I would, I would definitely say West Ham. I, did, I don't think anyone really expected them to burst out the blocks this quick. I'd have to go with Forest, not just because Forest they beat Chelsea as well. But they've been proven to be a very good team, especially their road road form. They're in. The they games. did a complete one eighty on the road. Now they're actually in the games, and they're they're exciting to watch. Not like uh, you can pencil them in for uh, a free win to whoever the the home team is. And I guess who's been your most? What team's been most disappointing to you? United. <laughs> okay. Definitely. If you didn't have to pick your own team. Uh most disappointing. I would say I for mean, me would be Burnley. I was gonna say Burnley for their fans and the, the hype coming into this year, but I, I think I'd also say Chelsea because them starting with forms similar to how they ended last year is is just continuing their disappointment. I mean that's gonna be a tagline all year is they spent over a billion dollars they should be doing better that's going to be hanging over our heads every every time we don't get a result so you just have to wear it and just move on it's just there's nothing you can do about it and it's not like that's my money or anything so who why should i really care but it's all about you on the care. Field. yeah it's like we can tell it's the on-field performance you want better results we can tell that you are also having a bad day yeah <laughs> Yeah, I wish we had the new sound there with Mourinho. Uh, we'll have that ready for next show. I would, I would start going on very, saying very naughty things about people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's better if I do not speak. Uh, that would be what it is. So, all right, that concludes episode two hundred eight. Uh, question mark on if it's B or two. We'll, we'll, I'll put it up there in a minute. But yeah, follow us on our socials at Post Twenty Pod, Twitter and Instagram. If you want, listen to. Part A or part one of this portion to listen to Evan, nice short half hour bit, uh, as well as the football episodes are back with Evan and Jeremy now. I listened to that a couple of days ago, very enjoy- enjoyed it a lot. Uh, forgot how nice those episodes are if you guys like betting and that sort of thing, and just NFL being back in general. That's we all love to see that. We had our fantasy drafts over the last couple of weeks. Very excited. Um, you can listen to those on our on our Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. That's where you can find our episodes, past, present, and future. And other than that, wrapping this up at an hour mark here, we'll see you next time. Take care. We'll see ya.